Hello, and thank you for joining me for episode four of Dishing It. We are flying through series three, and the Scottish foodspiration list is continuing to grow. Today is no different, as I'm joined by the ink evangelist Joanna Basford, whose illustrations of charm and delight have seen worldwide success through her adult colouring books. From global clients to global success, we talk about her career to date, all before delving in her must-dine locations in Scotland. When I invited Joanna to be a guest on the podcast, she claimed not to be much of a foodie, but she brought plenty of corkers to dishing at table. She even inspired me to get back to my sketch pad after chatting about the power of paper and pencil. So if you too are looking to reconnect with your creative side, grab that doodle pad or colouring book and switch off for this episode. While you're searching for your supplies, I've got a food faux pas to share. The food faux pas you are away to hear is all real. However, the reading by the food hoover has been given a little nip and tuck to give that bit of stage presence. It's all about the listener experience. Dear Colin, true tragedy happened in my kitchen a few weeks back. It was a long day and I needed that comfort food dinner dish to take me back to my happy place. Macaroni cheese it had to be. But this wasn't any macaroni cheese. This was the best macaroni cheese of my life. A knob of butter, flour, milk, more flour, more milk. I slaved over the stove to work up the smoothest sauce, all before adding an incredible amount of cheese. If there was an eighth wonder of the world, this would be it. Knowing how good this sauce was, I was eager to get to the finish line. The pasta was cooked to perfection, garlic bread bubbling in the oven, and my hunger was at an all-time high. Not wasting a second, I grabbed the pot of pasta and poured it into the sauce. I heard. I looked down in misery, and in a state of shock, to see a very, very wet macaroni cheese. I forgot to drain the pasta. Ruined. Inserts crying emoji. That one came from listener Lee and it is absolutely devastating to read. Thoughts and prayers are with you at this time. If you've had a kitchen disaster like Lee, submit your stories through the link in the show notes below. Right, food disasters to one side, get that doodle pad out and let's get into today's episode. Enjoy! Okay, she swapped the sketch pad for a microphone as today she joins us to take us on a tour of her world of wonder. Joanna Basford, welcome to Dishing It. Hello, thank you very much for having me. I made the epic mistake of not eating a snack before we did this Ooh. podcast. And I know I'm just going to be hungry. We might hear some rumbles. Talking. Yeah, I know. I apologise in advance. <laughs> oh, well, glad to have you on board. And uh, you're joining us today from your studio, which I have to say is very aesthetically pleasing in the background. It's very, and I wouldn't say symmetrical, but it's very balanced and it's got all the little knickknacks and coloring books and everything up on there and pencils in the corner very thank nice you very there. much this is like the um the appropriate view for for doing podcasts and all that kind yes. of stuff and then I keep the the chaotic creative mess on the other side <laughs> the other so side. nobody sees it <laughs> that's exactly what I would do um so what have the creative juices been allocated to today what have you been getting up to well, I'm actually doing a big project for the Archie Foundation at the Children's Hospital here in Aberdeen. Ooh. So I've been working on that, which is both terrifying and utterly heartwarming. So it's it's a really great project. It's sort of grown arms and legs. The initial email was like, could you do some artwork for this um, recovery room? And now it's sprawl. Like there's been mission creep and we're now doing an entire floor of the hospital. And oh, cool. it, it's just such a wonderful project to work on. I'm really lucky that I've got the availability and flexibility to like take time out and do something like this because it's such a, yeah, it's like one of those projects that you wait 
an entire career for and it finally comes along and I almost said no because I was so scared but I manned up and um, here I am drawing floating islands and dragons and rainbows and oh, yeah it's amazing. lovely it's really nice like it's such a great job job they do at that side of the hospital Brilliant. as well yeah and like they mm-hmm. keep it like creative on the outside with like the they still have the animals outside don't like the, the, yeah, fishes the giraffes and, and all yeah that kind of it's stuff. amazing yeah. and then inside mm-hmm. it's just colorful as much as kind of the the subject that they're dealing with like they try and make yes. it as light as possible but that's great that you're involved in that yeah it's really nice because you know it's a space where kind of don't want to end up but if you are there anything that makes that environment a little bit nicer and calmer and you know fun like kids are there and they need to be occupied and the mums and dads are probably you know not wanting to be there either so it's it's a nice challenge to make um to make backdrops and illustrations that will charm people and delight them and like take them out of where they are for a wee minute so yeah it's lovely and anyone who's listening who's been in Aberdeen a long time like me they still have those rocking horses like I remember the rocking horses from when I was like oh and I found them I was like they were just there I was like oh wow we'll definitely need to incorporate that so oh, 100%. yeah it's nice <laughs> yeah. Oh, great oh I look forward to seeing that when it's all done thank you so um yeah so thank you for joining me on today's episode I am a fellow doodler by no means on your level but I'm very much looking forward to hearing about kind of life in the studio and beyond so how would you describe yourself in a nutshell to someone who doesn't know you? I would say well my job title is an inky illustrator an inky evangelist so I do draw pictures for a living but I do it by hand using pencils and pens um, and paper as opposed to doing it digitally and I just love smudgy fingerprints and wobbly circles and like the slight imperfections that you get when you draw a picture by hand most of my work's nature inspired lots of butterflies lots of flowers and then there's a little bit digital right at the end but it tends to be sort of editing usually if I'm honest it's taking out like chocolatey fingerprints or you know (laughs) a bit of a peanut butter smudge (laughs) literally is almost always food um but it's just for tidying up but the main creation the heart of the artwork is is all done by hand oh and it's great stuff that you do so you kind of took the world by storm in 2013 when you released your first adult coloring book and then since then um you've got a whole library of coloring books and postcards and calendars and all those things so how many coloring books have you done to date now well i think I think it's maybe about 16 there's some like wow. different um variations of some titles yeah. um but yeah must be about 16 somebody asked me that the other wow. day and I didn't know I should definitely <laughs> should definitely check <laughs> get tattooed in your arm have a little tally how many you've done that's amazing so how did that idea come about like was that something you always wanted to do or take us kind of through that story no so I am the token annoying child at school that knew exactly what she wanted to do like I knew what to do creativity and go art school so I'd been down at Dundee and I did um, textiles actually at the Duncan and Johnston College of Art down there uh, and I ended up being an illustrator I actually just loved the drawing and for years I was working out the spare bedroom in my little um, flat in Candlemakers Lane at the centre of Aberdeen and my window literally looked out onto like the brick wall of next door. It was the most uninspiring <laughs> spot, but I did a lot of work in there. Um, and I sort of worked on this signature style of really intricate hand-drawn black and white artwork. And, you know, for years people would say, oh, you should do more colour, you should do people, or you should do digital stuff. And I just liked what I liked. I kind of liked being a one-trick pony. There was something good about being the girl that did that. Uh, and I sort of built up a, a good client list and got some really big jobs and nice clients. I was working for like Starbucks and Smart Car and Absolute Vodka. 
And then the call came or an email came asking if I'd like to do a coloring book. And I said, I don't really want to do one for children. It's quite naive. I'd like to do one that's really intricate mm -hmm. and elaborate. And the same sort of artwork that I was doing for like my perfume clients and like the champagne brands I was working for. And they were like, well, I we don't really think adults are going to want to color in. I've not really got the time. I was like, well, let's just try it. So um, that was how the first book came about. We tentatively printed 13,000 copies. And I phoned my mom sweating, going, mom, I think you're going to have to get all your friends to buy a lot of these because I've spent the advance and I don't know what happens if we don't sell through the first print run. Um, but luckily we were all right. And now we're on a book, possibly 16. So yeah, it went well. That is crazy. So with, in terms of like getting published, how does that all work? Is it just you were approached and then yes. that's just how it happened? So much? I was approached. They, um, an editor saw some work that I'd put out um, on, online. I think it was before Instagram. So it must've been on like Twitter and Facebook and things. And I often did little like a uh, free downloads where you could download the artwork and use it as your screensaver or ah, your desktop okay. wallpaper and bits and pieces like that. Um, and it just got picked up by an editor and, and they liked the style and they came to me with the, the children's book proposal and I sort of swizzled it round to the adult colouring book. I just remember them saying, well, we just don't know where these would sell. I mean, we're, there's no category on Amazon for that and where would we put them in the bookshop? And yeah, it was We will just, make the category. Yeah. We yeah. will make it. And we did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we totally did. That's, I love how stuff like that happens, like literally out the blue from something you've done online and it's magic of the internet, just getting in front of the mm -hmm. right person and yeah there we go that's amazing and you've helped people around like all over the world your book sell and they obviously they switch off and they escape and can kind of get some me time I suppose um with your coloring books was that something you did in the past like I guess with your own sketches I suppose yeah to be honest I can't take any credit for like the mindfulness aspect of it because it's just like one of those really selfish pursuits where I knew how calm I felt when I was drawing and mm -hmm. I used to feel like I would fall down this little hole or be in this bubble and the rest of the world would melt away and now I know that that's called being in flow and it's you know when you're not distracted and I think increasingly it's very hard to to find that mental state because you're always looking at social media or there's the ping of an email or there's something to do with a screen that's flashing at you or a notification so coloring because it's analog that's why we'll never do a coloring app it gives you that opportunity to have a really little five minute ten minute one hour whatever you need digital detox you can put the screens down and really focus on something and it's, it's analog and you know like you smell the cedar of the pencil wood and you feel like the lead going down on the pencil like it's just yeah it's very calming I think therapeutic and I liked it so I just just kind of hoped somebody else would as yeah. well <laughs> like someone else has got to like this. yeah I can't be the only weirdo that finds this really relaxing <laughs> But it's so true. It's just that it's that creative escape and just kind of switching off, sitting down, and you just can't beat that feeling of pencil, pencil on paper. I always think. I think yeah, I think there's been, especially just with the last couple of years, I think there's been a big pushback to like just really simple pleasures. So things like knitting baking banana bread mm -hmm. which I've done a lot of um <laughs> coloring those like gardening repotting plants growing your own tomatoes like all those very simple things that involve like real life and tactileness and being away from a screen I think there's just something very grounding about them and so calming and just yeah very chill very nice yeah nice we like that we like chilling nice so I guess obviously you're saying that you phoned your mum and you're like god you need to buy some of these books and tell your friends and families and all that sort of stuff were you taken back by how 
it took off. Yeah, massively, because I, I almost didn't even take the first book deal, because at the time I was working maybe 50, 60 hours a week on commercial freelance illustration work. It was really busy, and I knew that I would have to scale that back a little bit in order to make the book. And it was like, well, do you do that? And this is an unknown. So I almost said no to it, because just thought it's too much of a risk. I'm not going to yeah. like start losing clients over this. But um, kind of hustled through it, got the book made, and then yeah the sales were going okay it wasn't like it was one of this overnight success they sort of ticked away for quite a while and then overseas sales started coming in I think the joy of the coloring book is there's not loads to translate so it's a publisher's dream there's not oh, that many course, words yeah they think like that so um they did really well in foreign countries and I remember I'd had a baby in 2014 and I was sitting in the Marks and Spencer's car park at Union Square eh, feeding her just waiting to go in and get a ready meal <laughs> And um, I'd phone my editor and I'd said, could you just let me know when we get to like half a million sales? Because the numbers had been going up and up and up. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't wait to like do a post on Facebook and tell my mom. And she was really quiet on the other end of the phone. I was like, oh, well, that's all come to an end. Like It was initially good and now it's not. And she's like, we're well over a million. I was like, what? <sighs> so, no, it was a huge shock. And then we started speaking about the next book, the next book, the next book. And the rest is history. Yes, yes. <laughs> What has been your biggest challenge over that time? If there has I think, been um, yeah, loads, <laughs> loads. <laughs> I think it's learning how to juggle what is a good use of time and what I want to do and what everyone else thinks is a good use of time and what they want me to do. Right, so yeah. um, when the coloring books were really at their peak and things were really taking off, I had, you know, I had babies at that time. Like that was just like the stage of life where I had very young children. And there was things like, we need you to go to New York and can you please go to Brazil and can you do this collaboration with this brand? And we want to do this range and that range and maybe that retailer. And it all made good business sense, but I had to take a step back and think, well, is this really what I want to do? And is it still making me happy? And am, am I still enjoying, like, is there even any creative process? Because at a certain point, it sort of tips into being business and legal issues and licensing. I was like, this isn't even what I want to be doing. So I think learning to to say no to the opportunities that might sound good on paper, but aren't really in line with what you want to do, especially when you've got a young family, you, know, you really have to, it was like, see if when I'm on my deathbed, am I really going to be annoyed that I didn't take a ceramics deal? Or should I, you know, like say no and make sure I've got more time to like take my kids to the park? So mm-hmm. it was kind of finding a balance between that, about what makes good business sense, what I want to do, and having the guts to say no to things that, that weren't right. And that must be so hard as well in like a world that is like so new to you as well with publishing and stuff. When you're getting all these other things, you must be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, if they're wanting it, it must be because they need it. But then also being able to push back and be like, no, that doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think um, I think being self-employed, you always worry that this is the last job that you will ever get. This is the last opportunity that yeah. will ever come your way and nobody's ever going to email you ever again. I like that. I would be ungrateful if I said no to this and it's stupid to turn down this opportunity. Uh, But I think at the end of the day, you've just got to stick true to your values. And there were some things where an offer would come in. It's like, could you do this? And it wasn't in line with my values. So it would maybe be a project that I didn't want to do like an app, for example, or to endorse some coloring pencils that I knew weren't really that great. And, um, you know, business people, like, well, the money's really good. It doesn't matter if you don't really believe it. Just say that you do and we'll take the money and we'll take our cut. And it was quite difficult to push back and be like, no, that we're not going to do that. Because the minute you do that, you lose your credibility. And I just think the community and, you know, like your, your audience are so important that if you start lying to them, 
it just reduces the trust and you've got yeah. no longevity and you wouldn't do that to your friends so why do it to the people that are keeping you in the job that you love so uh, yeah that was that was tricky but I'm glad that it all happened because definitely gives a lot of clarity on like next steps and what you're going to do and yeah I think you're happier once you come out the other side of it because you realize you know like what's important and what's not and you mentioned that obviously you did work with Starbucks and mm-hmm. um you even did the Google for Doodle uh, yes no, Doodle for Google <laughs> yeah <laughs> you did that and um you worked on iPhone and things as well um, so the creative journey has been going on for a, a long time as well. So what was what were you like growing up? Were you the creative kid in class? Yeah, yeah. So I was a kid that always, always wanted to do the art projects, constantly covered in paint and PVA glue, just wanted <laughs> art supplies for Christmas and my birthdays. So it was just, yeah, I, I feel... I feel really sorry for people. I'm well, not really sorry, but I see people that are like, oh, I just don't know what I want to do with my life because I always knew. Like, I didn't yeah. know exactly. Like, I wanted to be an interior designer or a fashion designer or a tattooist, but I knew I would be something creative. So uh, I think that the exact path wasn't clear, but I knew yeah. roughly what you Something area. along those lines. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And here you are. And what was on what was on your dinner table when you were growing up? Well, um, we had a lot of food that we grew in the garden so my grandparents were gardeners my dad always had lots going on in the garden they've now got my mum's got polytunnels so that's like up the game massively but there was always like it's quite traditional northeast you know like a roast chicken or that kind of stuff but then a ton of vegetables like Mm -hmm. potatoes sweet corn carrots like everything would be homegrown and now buying food from the supermarket I can you can tell the difference and it was so much work for my dad like he would literally spend an entire year just at this garden plot um growing all these veggies but yeah you can definitely taste the difference so I think it was it was those fresh fruit like veggies and then you know soft fruit loads of soft fruit as well and potato was like I just I feel like I spent most of my youth eating ties out the garden (laughs) It's the bloodline of the sure. Northeast. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is a normal thing, but my dad used to, um, when he dug up his carrots for the winter, he put the carrots in this big metal dustbin full of sand and he buried right. the carrots in them. Like, I don't know if it's like this is a normal thing, but that was how they kept all winter they and they were kept them. out in the garage, which was really cold. And there was no light in the garage. So if you got sent out to get the carrots, it was just terrible. <laughs> it was like the world's worst, um, not pick and mix, what do you call it? Lucky dip. Go into this garden pull back the, the old fishy carpet that was over the top of the dustbin and then put your hands <laughs> in the sand and wiggle it out and try and find carrots <laughs> I would not like that job no it was horrible <laughs> no. it was horrible <laughs> oh, that's so funny um you, you literally cannot beat homegrown veg though like no, in a polytunnel or grown in a, a patch like the best going 100 percent. so much work I know yeah so I mean I I take the credit from other people I yeah. just eat it I don't, don't do any of it but it was like yeah yeah good on yeah I'll take I'll take a bunch of carrots we did um tomatoes last year no it's not even last year it was during the lockdown and it was a great idea initially but man alive it was so much hard work for like such a I mean it was a decent sized crop but it was like oh it really made you appreciate when you just yeah, go to Tesco it. and like <laughs> yeah. buy your punnet of cherry tomatoes <laughs> so true and can I look in from when you were younger up until now if you were to write a, a message to your younger self what would be the kind of standout kind of thing you would tell yourself 
Uh, well, I'm a big worrier. I think the downside of having like quite a vivid and wild imagination, I mean, the good side is you can think of lots of lovely things to draw and you're usually quite creative, but the downside is if you're going going down a doom spiral, you're going down there badly. So I would say try not to worry so much. Everything works out in the end, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. The stuff that I tell myself now, yeah. <laughs> those kind of things. I think there's definitely... Um, there's definitely a tendency for me to like think of a worst case scenario and imagine it then imagine it more vividly <laughs> it yeah. doesn't help anyone <laughs> I, I think we're cut from the same cloth I mean, yeah. exactly the same. <laughs> it's literally catastrophe spiral not coming yes, out anytime yes. soon yes like some days i'll be speaking to a friend and it'll start off with i don't think i've got enough petrol and before we know it like i've like escalated <laughs> it into this world crisis just like wow that that really Apocalypse. escalated fast <laughs> yeah, and uh, then we're all gonna die <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to know there's someone else out there like me. <laughs> That's good. And do you think your younger self would believe you if you were to say that you'll grow up and you'll have an OBE? No. <laughs> no. What was that like? Really bizarre. Very, um, very surreal. So the letter had come through and I thought it was one of my friends winding me up. And there was a phone number at the top. So I phoned it to see what would happen. And this really um, posh voice answered. I went, hello, Buckingham Palace. <laughs> like, oh, hello. So then I was like asking a few questions and they were reassuring me that it wasn't a wind up. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I went down. I was quite heavily pregnant with my um, second daughter, Mia. It, well, I wasn't heavily pregnant. I was just really big. I think I was only about four months and it was Prince William that gave me my um, my OB and he went, oh, and when's the baby due? And I think he was expecting me to say like three weeks time or something. So I've got months to go. And his eyes just about popped out his head. I was like, yeah, but your wife was tiny when she was pregnant. It's like, this is all so normal. <laughs> but no, it was lovely. And everyone was so kind. And yeah, it was just really exciting. And being inside the palace was amazing. And like getting to see it all it was just really cool and I think as well Anne and Dick got their um OBEs around about that same time oh, as well really? and I was I was really hoping it would be the same day but it wasn't oh, typical <laughs> I know typical that's amazing I in my head I imagine it is it anything like Harry Potter getting his letter to Hogwarts I guess not if you thought it was a wind up uh, <laughs> less feathery but yeah, yeah similar <laughs> And does Buckingham Palace look anything like what it does on the crown, their depiction of it on the inside? Yeah, it does actually. Does it? Oh, wow. I think it's maybe a bit, a bit, the bits that I were in were less sparsely decorated, but I guess that's because they're worried about folk pinching stuff or yeah. like <laughs> standing for constant set. I mean, you weren't allowed to take your phone in actually, so you couldn't even take a, a Buckingham Palace oh, right, selfie. Okay, but yeah, I, that's strict. But maybe there's just so much space, you don't have enough ornaments to go around and doilies, you know. So when you're not in the studio doodling away, you can normally be seen out hill walking and exploring. Imagine you're kind of getting ready for a hill walk. What are the essential kind of food and drink items you're packing in your bag to take along with you? Well, I, I mean, part of the joy of being up a hill is, you know, like the view and the company, but also the snacks because you can eat anything. There is no rules when you're up the hill. So I love some fudge. Uh, I get some, there's some lovely fudge from a lady in Ireland. She's called Fudge Like. Uh, the company's called Fudge Like. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I love theirs, like the Biscoff fudge. Um, I do sometimes make my own, but it's just, just, to be honest, it's better to buy it because if I make my own, I eat the whole batch. Which <laughs> is just gone. a disaster. Yeah, like that. <laughs> like instant diabetes if I keep eating this um so that I, I do like some brownies or some little cakes uh, quite often nip up to Barra to get them from uh, Barra Berries or the Coffee Apothecary here in Ellen uh, and if I'm at the Coffee Apothecary I always get 
like fresh coffee. So I've got a grinder at home and grind up beans myself and having a wee flask of coffee at the start of a walk is such a good idea because it really just fuels you going up. Uh, I, have, I have hot Ribena, if I'm being honest, at the very top. I must be known, like, sometimes I'll be up a hill and people are like, what is that that you're drinking? I think they think it's like mulled wine. <laughs> like, it's just hot Ribena. Like I, need to, I need to take the edge off, guys. <laughs> this will make the descent a bit more interesting. <laughs> So those would be the things. And then obviously all your sandwiches, but the treats are always good. Proper sweet tooth. Yes. Well, you need it. You need it. Definitely. You need the sugar boost, 100%. And if you've seen so much of Aberdeenshire in the countryside, um, far and wide, if you were set the task of creating a colouring book of Aberdeenshire, what kind of three locations would you have to feature on the pages? So... I actually don't usually draw landscapes or recognisable places just because if you get them a little bit wrong, it's really obvious and annoying for everyone. Uh, But what I like to do is sort of be inspired by a place and maybe take one or two little motifs or things from it. So places like Pit Madden Garden, um, or I love love going up Benahy, not because I want to draw the mountain, but I just like the flora and fauna that you see going up there. It's like so pretty, all the colours. We are at regulars up at Gamery, at Gardenstone, and at the Macduff Aquarium. Is it the Macduff or Banff Aquarium? It's the Macduff Aquarium. Yeah, Macduff Aquarium. Yeah. So um, when you go up there and you see, like, you know, like little starfish or like the really cool fish or, you know, like just things puddling about in rock pools, all those wee things sort of add up to make for me like really good pictures. So I'm less likely to be like, oh, this is Stonehaven Harbour, but yeah. this is an ice cream pattern inspired by Stonehaven. Yeah. That's a way to spin it. I like that. (laughs) Oh, great. I'll be buying that book if it ever comes out. Do you have actually, on that note, do you have a a kind of theme that you'd like to cover, but you think it's maybe a bit bit rogue? Or... Uh, No, not really. So I've just finished a book called Rooms of Wonder. It's out in October and I've never done just a book of of interiors and patterns and things. So that's maybe a bit different. Um, But no, not really. I tend to... I tend to wait for an idea to pop along and then just, do go, know, just, just go for it. Yeah, my just editors are really happens. good. They'll <laughs> give me free reign, which is, yeah, both a joy and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm going to go with this. I trust it. You guys yeah, no. to hope for the best. <laughs> this will be fine, guys, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, I know what I'm doing. Um, I know because I was watching on um, Instagram, you put up a video. I think it was from the Rooms of Wonder. It was your daughter's jewel room. Oh yeah, yeah. And you did like a little video of you kind of drawing it and sketching it. It's amazing just to watch kind of all that goes into it. I love that you still do the paper, pen and pencil kind of concept and then digital's right at the very end. It's not all done on a screen, which is great to see. Yeah. So that book actually, Rooms of Wonder, um, a lot of the pages in it were actually inspired by my kids and their friends. So I would do school drop off and I would get to like the point on the road where we all meet up with our chums and you know, I'm the mom that's got the weird job. Like, does your mom just draw pictures and colour in for her living? And like, my daughter's like, yeah, is that not normal? And everyone's like, no, <laughs> that's not normal. Uh, so they say to me, Joshua, what are you, um, what are you drawing today? I was like, oh, I have no idea. I'm like, really has, like, me, I couldn't find her shoe. We're late for school and, you know, like, I've forgotten her play piece. And they're like, sorry, we've got some ideas for you. And they would just sit and like reel off these things. Like, we think you should have a gem room. 
what about an origami room what about a harry potter post room and like oh, all great. these things so this bunch of seven and four year olds would just stand in the morning at half past eight give me all their ideas sometimes there would be sketches included like we've, we've drawn <laughs> it for you just so that you know what to do you get correct you know exactly what yeah, it's going to look like <laughs> it was like um the most fierce but enthusiastic bunch of creative directors i've ever worked with and then if i drew the page that they had requested or directed um that afternoon I would print it out and give it their moms or send them a photo so that they could that be first to color it in so it was um it was a team effort <laughs> that is so cool that is a great thing for them when they're older to look back on as well and like you might not remember giving you the pictures but looking back and having that connection there is like a really nice thing yeah well I kept them all so I've got them pinned up on the wall actually I've just had yeah. a look at them but um yeah that is ace it was a nice collaboration that's so nice and like with me doing kind of food writing and things, there's all, there's never a day that kind of the words can't get out and I'm proper writer's block and don't really know how to get started. I'm sure you get those days when you can't get the pen to paper and you just don't really know where you're going with things. What's that comfort food that you're maybe always reaching for or thinking of going to to kind of fuel that energy again? I'm um, a big fan of peanut butter and toast. It's not very, yeah. it's not very exciting, but that would be like my ultimate, like on a cup of tea, I think you, yeah. Can't beat it. No, I know. It's a good like, combo. Yeah, exactly. That's probably why I've got so much peanut butter in all my drawings. Yeah. I have to like digitally erase it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a, that was a tough day. Look at all the peanut butter. <laughs> you have to frame all the originals and then ox them off oh, one I time. I know. <laughs> this actual peanut butter splat. It's like, you can't buy this art if you've got a nut allergy. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, actually. Yeah. That'll be the next thing. That'll be your next lawsuit. Your legal team would be like, oh, no. I know. <laughs> no. Stop selling nut infused art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, so from Creative Escapes to Foodie Frolics, Joanna, you have the power to pause time and travel anywhere in Scotland for one special food safari. You've chosen to dine out for starter, main dessert and after dinner drink. So where are you going and what are you ordering? Well, I thought about this this morning. Long and hard. That's probably, <laughs> probably why I've spent all day being hungry. So for starter... <laughs> I would wind back the clock just a wee bit and go to, now I used to say Yai Tai, but I think they said Yatai. Oh yeah, Yatai, yeah. Here in Aberdeen. Oh, I just miss it. Sorely missed. Yeah, so their tempura prawns were just my favourite. I love seafood. And they were like, they were just like prawn clouds. And I used to love their ginger miso dipping sauce. Like honestly, if if John gave me a cup of it, I would have just drank it like a cup of soup (laughs) and I would have been delighted for the rest of time. But I just loved them. They were so, so good. And I just, yeah, I think we all miss them so much. I wish. We do. Yeah. I know. Anyway, so that's what I would have for my starter. And then for my main, a a few months ago, I was over on Isle of Skye, hill walking, did the craziest ridge and did the the in-pen up there, which was terrifying. Um, But the day that we did one of the biggest walks, we also went to the Oyster Shack. Uh, so it's just this little seafood place sort of on the hill, a wee bit uh, overlooking the sea. And there's like a menu with like oysters and mussels and like a few different options. And then you get them with chips or with bread. Like it's not fancy. And we had scallops and chips at the end of this hill walk. And like you can't, there's no tables and chairs. You just stand around these big whiskey casks. <laughs> in like a little kind of awning that's just a bit of corrugated iron or metal yeah. whatever it's called and you look out 
uh, there's like no fanciness you just eat it with your fingers there's like a bit of vinegar on your chips and salt and that's it and it was just and lemon and it was just the best meal I think because you're so hungry and because it's just so simple mm-hmm. you see if you got that like in London some hipster sold you that out like a food truck you'd pay like 30 quid for it yeah. and it was just <laughs> say, yeah it's just like that this is amazing and it was so busy everyone was so nice the, the vibe was ace and there was like yeah it was just it was just the nicest place and then there was like a few bins like put your shellfish shells in here put your leftover chips in there and put your you know paper plate there and that was it and then you walked off it was just grand but yeah thoroughly recommend it get on Isle of Skye go to the oyster shack I love places like that like when it's like you just look at you're like oh this isn't gonna be much and then you go in and then it's literally like as you say very simple straightforward but Mm -hmm. then actually it's like the best best dinner going totally totally I'll remember that the rest of my life and also like I was with my mates and like we'd had such a great day on the hill and everybody was so happy and yeah it was just lovely like it would be like one of the best meals I've ever had but I didn't sit down and we had our jackets on do you know what I mean it was just it doesn't sound like it would be but it was it was just fab and then um and pudding so uh, I'm a big fan of a bar of berries ice cream Uh Uh, I just I think they've got the best ice cream like I do love all the fancy flavors but you see when you go over there and they're just mixing in like the fresh fruit with the Mackey's ice cream there's just nothing better mm-hmm. and I, I like it in a cone and I don't need any of the fancy toppings I don't need like you know like some places you go and the ice creams are just ridiculous yeah and three bites in you're feeling a little bit sick you're regretting your life choices like a bad <laughs> ice cream I mean, I'm pretty sure it must count as one of your five a day because there is oh, fruit in it. So it's, you know, it's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Tastes Local delicious. Dairy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And uh, I like I like it with it's sunny and you can sit outside. My kids love them as well. So I'm a big fan of the raspberry. The, is it honeyberry that they've got? What's the funny berry? Yeah. I, Not the funny berry, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely as well. So yeah, I would say not fancy, but I just, you know, I like what and I And they like. don't, they don't miss the swirl in it. Like they, they give yeah. you a good cone. Yeah, massive. Yeah, massive. Huge. You definitely got your money's worth. Yeah, Again, 100%. why you should go for the cone and not the top. I think yeah, you no. don't. I think Fill it all the way just, to the bottom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not impressive. <laughs> 100%. And where are you off to for an after dinner tipple? Uh, I would go to the beach and I would either, like, I'm not a big drinker, I do like the odd gin and tonic or a little bit, a little glass of wine. So I would have a backpack with some bits and pieces in it and probably go to the beach with my friends, possibly a bonfire, maybe a little toasted marshmallow. Oh, nice. Uh, and I would just have my drinks down there, living Love my best it. life. <laughs> maybe some hot, hot Ribena as well. Get that in the well, mix. Yeah, maybe, maybe. With a bit of vodka in it. <laughs> hot Ribena, a bit of vodka. Maybe, I don't know. I think maybe I'd have slow gin and oh yeah that's um, a better idea how would I be now like that could be a thing mead is mead not really popular now mead, you have what's that? it's like that honey it's not honey liqueur honey some it's honey and something oh maybe honey fortified wine I think I think mead is going to be like the new gin oh there, probably. There, there you go I said probably. it first <laughs> get, right get, it's documented on here that's a seed pattern for me I'll go google it after and be like yeah. mead what is mead. this I think it's like M-E AD. Like I don't remember my dad drinking it, but it's one of those things I think is going to become cool again. I've ever, ever heard of it. And that's the thing. Like gin's had a good stint. It's mm-hmm. it's it's there's been the gin boom has been lasting for about eight years now. It feels so. Yeah, I think it's time for someone else to come in. I thought it was going to be port for a while, but I think we've bypassed port and we'll just go for mead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> straight for the meat. And I don't know if you're much um, of a cook when you're at home, but what's the go-to dinner dish in the Basford household? Well, uh, I've got two wee kids, uh, Evie and Mia, and they're five and seven. So you can imagine how picky they get. <laughs> like, I can't believe, like Evie especially, she's a really picky eater which I find unbelievable because I am not like I always used to think picky eaters came from like picky parents but yeah I can absolutely I promise you that's not how it happens <laughs> and she claims she doesn't like cheese and to some people she will say she's allergic to cheese this is not true because she loves pizza <laughs> but she claims right. that it's pizza topping but we got um I, I was lucky enough to speak to the founders of the uni pizza company oh, yeah. um and they I bought from them one of their uni pizza ovens that oh, was in nice. the garden. So I didn't get the one that you put the logs and the wood in just because I was like that. I know for I know for a fact I will not do that. Yeah. I got the gas <laughs> one, and it's great. It's so fast. We literally like bash out. Like I do sometimes buy the pre-made dough. Sometimes we make it ourselves. Other times there's just not enough time. <laughs> uh, we all do our own toppings and then we whack them in the pizza. I, mean, I think it's like forty-five seconds or something, and it comes out fantastic. So we are big fans of pizza even though Evie claims she's allergic to the cheese like <laughs> she still has it <laughs> the, the pizza's gone when you turn an eye yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know where it went a bird came down seagull got it yeah she's like, oh, I only like this kind of this kind of cheese mom but yeah. having said that <laughs> I made a really good um it was a malt cheesecake it was a Lucy Lord recipe who's originally from Aberdeenshire well she stayed here for quite a long time uh, and it's got like Horlicks in it um, that gives it the maltiness and Maltesers. Okay. Delicious. Made this cheesecake, told Evie it was mousse cake and she was <laughs> delighted. Got a video of her eating it with her hands. It was so good. She couldn't <laughs> get it in her mouth quick enough. And then I accidentally referred to the cheesecake and she was like, what? She's like, what is that? I was, yeah. I was like, oh no, the game's over. She's like, have you lied to me? I was like, oh no, kind of. <laughs> and then she wouldn't eat it anymore. Declared that she didn't like it. It was disgusting. Oh. I was like, that is such a lie. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got video evidence. evidence. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. That was my funny. tale of woe with uh, picky eaters <laughs> who don't eat cheese. <laughs> I know the um, uni oven, that is what I need. Uh, a dinner made in 45 seconds oh, or cooked great. in 45 seconds. That's yeah. what I need. Yeah. 100%. And oh, it's great because um we got like the big like you know like the big oh, the paddle I call it the thing. shovel but it's not a shovel you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you chuck it on that you put it in you turn it around you feel like you're doing proper like caveman cooking yeah. it tastes great <laughs> it's, it must be healthy like we put good toppings on so it's just a good good crowd pleaser and I find yeah. as well as with a bit of like audience participation in the making mm -hmm. of dinner yeah the eating tends to nice be better as bit. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, nice. it's nice. Oh, great. Um, so I can't imagine staying positive is something that you struggle with, but I bet there's um, a few food gripes underneath the surface that uh, are waiting to come out. What is it that really annoys you when it comes to food? So I've got a few. I'll great. just tell you them to like no, yeah, go purge myself. I'm loving that this series because people are like, <laughs> I've got a few and I'm like, give me them all. <laughs> So my first one is baked beans in a shot glass. If you're out for breakfast, like I just don't like to see, like, I just <laughs> don't like it. I just I've never like even that. seen that. A ramekin maybe, but not a shot glass. Like I've seen that a few places. Yeah, I just, no. It's just like the thought of doing a shot of beans, even though I know that you're meant to tip it onto your plate that's of sausages and bacon. Yeah, it's just not right. So no, please stop putting baked beans in shot glasses. <laughs> I've never even seen that. So whatever, <laughs> when we finish this, whatever you've been that does that, tell me, because I'll know not to get a breakfast. You maybe won't do good. it anymore. <laughs> um, my other thing would be um, raw onions 
or parsley on children's food like please just stop doing that because <laughs> the parents have to pick it off before they can eat their dinner and then their dinner gets cold <laughs> I've only got four so number three would be out season strawberries I just think we should revert back to the process of not eating them if it's not summertime if it's because, not ready yeah yeah it's, it's it's like such a futile attempt at joy like they are not going to be nice you're going to be so upset you're going to regret paying that money and they taste all the sweeter if you just hang on until summer and you can get them locally or Scottish strawberries or British strawberries. They just, they're so different. Mm-hmm. Love that. And then my last Same. one, it's not really a food thing, but it's a vegetable thing. Yeah, it's fine. So, okay. It's pumpkins. I just really <laughs> resent that children it's these pumpkins. days don't appreciate how easy it is to carve a pumpkin at Halloween when we had to carve neeps. Uh, until you've carved a turnip and you've like almost lost a finger or stabbed yourself in the hand like you don't appreciate how easy it is to carve a pumpkin and every Halloween I have this moan to my kids like when I was little (laughs) they're like mom we know we know we've heard about the turnip we heard (laughs) about it (laughs) they just don't and you just didn't see pumpkins when we were that in the northeast of Scotland. That's something you just get televised over here. I think in the northeast there needs to be like a, I don't know an expose on turnip carving because I I it's impossible. It is near impossible. I don't it know is. how people actually core them. I just wonder if like A and E saw a huge rise and like think so. massive hand wounds around <laughs> Halloween time from like dads trying to do their best but our kids carving not, these not admitting defeat. The most solid of vegetables, yeah. And now you get a pumpkin, you just scoop it out with a spoon. And on the plus side, I really enjoy pumpkin pie and pumpkin soup. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice thing. But I'm like, I think we just need to appreciate how much easier this is and how much society has moved on. (laughs) People need to know. They need to know the hardship. Yeah, I think so. Unless you know where you've come from, you can never appreciate where you've got to. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine you like at like some like being on a panel in the future on like a tv show or something and someone's saying what's the hardest thing that's been the obstacle in your life and you're like carving a turnip yeah well when I when I get into my neeps at Halloween speech I do I go a bit brave heart like, like we not. shall not do it again <laughs> my kids just glaze over like oh, they're that's hilarious that's been great I've just thought of another question I'll ask you as well I know with me, with kind of losing touch with creative side over the years, that you kind of stray away from kind of painting and sketching and doodling. I just do it at the side of my notepads when I'm in meetings and stuff. But if what would be your thing to convince everyone to get back into a bit of creativity, getting that back into their lives a bit? I think it is one of the best forms of self-care that you can do. So some people do yoga, but you need a yoga mat. And then it's a bit difficult. Some people meditate. I'm a terrible meditator. Other people, like, I love walking up a hill, but you need a few hours in a car and boots. Uh, Creativity is just the perfect little, it's like a little bite-sized bit of self-care that you can do. You don't need to be, in air quotes, good at it. Everybody is born creative. You never see a toddler holding a crayon wrapped with self-doubt. They're just busy drawing on the wall because they know that they could draw. It's only as you get older that you sort of get in your own way about that. But, you know, get the margin of your notebook or a poster or the back of a receipt and pick up a pen or a pencil and just doodle a wee bit. Because I genuinely think when you put pen to paper and you get yourself into that sort of flow mindset, so much stuff just melts away. Like you're not worrying about, you know, Brexit or who's going to be the next prime minister or 
if your kid is going to eat the cheesecake at tea like you're just focusing on drawing something pretty or adding a little bit of color and it sounds silly but it's almost like the distraction it just it's the thing that takes your mind away from everything else that's going on and allows you to percolate the other stuff behind the scenes the way I think about it is you know when your computer runs an update in the background you can still do other stuff but in the background the wheels are you know like moving cogs are turning and it's processing stuff and I think coloring and creativity is like that you can still you can do it and in the background you're probably processing a lot of stuff and like sorting things out and getting a bit of a reset I just think it's a really good way to look after yourself and self-care isn't selfish and uh, yeah I think especially during lockdown I think a lot of people realize that and that was that was really nice to see oh that's great and yeah I think we need to get a bit more flow state back into our lives definitely and just cutting out the noise and just getting back to it and that's a great place to leave the um, this episode on so thank you so much for joining me and hope to see you again soon thank Thank you you very much for having me I'm hungry but I'm delighted I know who knows maybe I'll try and carve a turnip well there you go be careful (laughs) be careful caution you've been listening to Dishing It the podcast all about food in Scotland all the businesses and accounts mentioned in today's episode are detailed in the show notes below so you can add them straight onto your food list if you've liked today's episode remember to subscribe like review share the podcast you know the script it all helps in spreading the food inspiration far and wide and if you've really liked today's show and you'd love to show your support for the podcast i don't ask for much you can buy me a coffee through the link below it all helps in making future episodes of the podcast so small violin packed away for another day Join me next time for more food chats and food frolics all across Scotland. Stay safe, eat well, and speak soon.